1970 genres yet another video this is my third episode looking at classic albums from that year uh, I hope you're still with me I've got three of them today uh, and I want to make a, a brief announcement as well uh, before I get started uh, following some sort of uh, sharing of messages between me and uh, a member of the vinyl community who I have a lot of respect for and enjoy videos I am going to start to do videos that are perhaps more often seen by the variety of channels uh, and that is I'm going to be uh, displaying my vinyl collection uh, a few albums at a time uh, based on the fact that I was advised that this would be go down well um, it's not what I've been doing but I'm prepared to sort of compromise for the sake of the customer and in addition I'm also going to uh, do my cassette collections seeing as physical formats seem to be uh, the way forward and uh, also my CD collection uh, so you'll be having me putting things in my hand uh, and shoving them uh, into the camera. Wow, whoopee. Three classic albums. Uh, this is the second album uh, in 1970 released by the British band based in Leicester, Family. And it was called uh, A Song For Me. Uh, the band here mixed acoustic guitars and really heavy songs. Uh, they lost a bit of the textures provided by Jim King, who played sax, flute and harmonica. Uh, but Polly Palmer uh, joined the band and kept some fly, fine flute work in the band's repertoire. And his strength also lied in the vibraphone, as displayed on the album. It was released, as I say, in late 69, but I'm putting it in 70. Uh, their first album then with... John Wider on bass and Polly Palmer on keyboards, flute and vibraphone. The past several months uh, had been full of setbacks for the band. Rick Gretsch had left for Blind Faith. Jim King for, forced to leave for getting too uh, deep into drugs. And their first Euro tour proved to be an absolute disaster. Although many of the songs have been written with King's saxophone in mind, Charlie Whitney and Roger Chapman were able to rework them with Palmer's instruments and Palmer quickly made himself integral to family sound and because some of these songs had been debuted in live performances in the previous year many family fans found themselves getting accommodated to arrangements that had radically altered and were different from what they expected. So much of a song for me shows family exploring various popular formats from jazz and blues to folk and country. So let's get on to the tracks. Family album that I bought on vinyl. And I must admit I've got a soft spot for it. So I'm going to rush through the tracks now. It opens up with Drowned in Wine. With a delicate Whitney acoustic intro. And then the power hits you. Accompanied by soaring Chapman vocals. There's some wild flute that keeps up the tight ass pace. And the second phase is really very folk rockish. Great fast stuff with guitar flute montages segueing into the second song, Some Poor Soul. Uh, Roger's mellowness 
is in stark contrast here. It's a very bluesy song, classy acoustic again from Whitney. Uh, it's got a Spanish-like feel to it, uh, and Palmer's flute certainly adds that flavour. A uh, nice solo from him. It creates a very pleasing overall sound. Love is a Sleeper uh, is next. It's a flurry of guitar and vibraphone at a very speedy rate. Uh, rockabilly for sure, but very English-style rockability. There's a credit uh, of one Zoot Money on this who was involved in the animals. And I read uh, Stop for the Traffic uh, is uh, synced into the, uh, the track, uh, follows on from Love is the Speaker. The full title of that, Stop for the Traffic Through the Heart of Me. As I say, the second uh, part of this uh, two tracks knitted together, the vocals are echoed back in the mix. There's a lot of reverb guitar, it's nice enough. Calm in comparison, though, to the early rock of Drowned in Wine. Wheels, which is Wheels, which is the closer on side one. Slightly dark beginning with some uh, shimmering vibrato from Ch Chapman. And then some delicate acoustic work mixed with flute and organ leads into the chorus. And that follows on with some heavy acoustic guitar and vibes, too. This is an interesting structured song that they develop into an eccentric arrangement but the solo guitar uh, parts sound a little too improvised for me. A chilling scream from Chapman throws into the desperate solos and I've been told that as opposed to other shredders in rock music he has said that he found the techniques that were not detrimental to his throw. Hmm, I wonder to second side then, Song for Sinking Lovers. It's got a rolling banjo-like melody that links to Chapman's familiar gentler vocals before the violin wheedles into the beat, uh, uh, almost breaking into a folky barroom Irish-style banjo jig uh, with Charlie well involved on dobro. Uh, it then uh, segs into Hey Lenny Rock, a very jazzy lounge feel with vibraphone and Roger's vocals reflecting very much the tone. The Cat and the Rat, well, an out-and-out 12-bar country blues, rockabilly style. It's a real stomp. Cute lead licks by Chick Chat, by Whitney, sorry, and uh, snorting uh, Chapman vocals. Uh, terrific stuff. I'm straight now. 93's OK Jay is next. Much more experimental, this one, like jazz tones. It's got a touch of harpsichord in there and piano and flute, and they combine to create a sort of mystic eastern atmosphere. The percussion and drumming uh, is thrown in, coupled with the strings, to make a, a, quite a unique sound as they link towards uh, the outro. And then the title track, to wrap it all up, uh, a song for me, this is... Uh, very uh, typical blues rock with a taste of violin at the start. It's a nine-minute blockbuster. Whitney dominates with whooping uh, bass lines, and it's a, a, a jam, but a good one. Uh, the violin is uh, weirdly eccentric, a bit like a, a cross on uh, Crimson, King Crimson, and for a few minutes it becomes very strange indeed, 
before the rush towards the finish line. This still holds up extremely well, this album, uh, and I enjoyed listening to it, uh, harking back to those 1970s days. The combination of Chapman and Whitney, uh, which is basically the grounding on this band, truly terrific. Uh, and if you haven't caught Family before, this is probably just as good a place to start on this uh, 1970s uh, sort of uh, recollecting those classic albums. I'm going to uh, spend a few moments talking about Band of Gypsies, um, which was uh, basically the new band uh, launched by one Jimi Hendrix after the experience had sort of uh, basically given up uh, after um, the Electric Ladyland double album. Uh, Hendrix wanted uh, uh, to move in different directions and he put together this band, uh, a couple of his old buddies, uh, uh, Billy Cox on bass and Buddy Miles on drums. Miles, of course, uh, was uh, an artist in his own right uh, and recorded, had a number of albums released. Uh, uh, but it was remarkable, this live set. Um, it took place on January 1st, 1970 at the Fillmore East in New York City. And it was the first time that Hendrix used the fuzz face wah-wah pedal. Uh, Univibe and Octavia pedals, uh, pedals uh, as well were used on stage uh, for the first time. And we certainly got a taste of uh, their usage, uh, particularly on Machine Gun. Uh, this is one of uh, Jimmy's probably finest live performances. He was very focused, very precise. It was almost perfection. The music was a seamless melding of rock, funk and R&B. And the tunes like Message to Love, Message to Love and Power uh, to Love uh, showed a new lyrical direction as well. And his mastery of the guitar uh, absolutely uh, blew my mind and probably all those who were present. Uh, and uh, the two uh, Buddy Miles compositions, uh, Message to Love and Power to Love, are much better than uh, the versions on his own studio albums. Uh, uh, but although those two played their part, uh, Jimmy was the star of the show. And I'm now going to go through the tracks. When one listens to this live set is how relaxed the place was, how relaxed Jimmy was, and it, it comes through in the music. He opened up with, who knows, uh, nine minutes plus, a powerful, intense, funky uh, song, loose meaning in, in the zone. And uh, he, I love uh, Miles's uh, vocals on here. The second set of vocals, they shared them. The lead lines are absolutely breathtaking on this first track. No flashness, just plain performance on the guitar that is unbelievable. And just listen to the stunning wah-wah use in the latter part of the track. Well, this was really only the sort of uh, uh, first course. Uh, the main event, the main uh, course, uh, tripped up uh, a little bit later uh, with Machine Gun, which was 12 minutes 38. Uh, it rewrote, really, the guitar manual. The guitar is a gun, a bomb, and other master strokes unheard elsewhere, and basically confirmed his status 
as a guitar god, head and shoulders above all. I suggest you just listen with a keen ear, arguably the most groundbreaking and devastating guitar solo ever put on record. Uh, so after that, uh, we got to side two, changes. Five minute 11 here, this is Miles' song, a soul classic of course, and the Wah Wah intro sets up some fierce guitar work. Politics runs through this set, and particularly with this song, and the lyric is striking. Miles is very strong and it really swings. Power to Love is next. A delicate intro by Jimmy before he launches the explosive solo out of the park. Power and precision with his renowned feedback before rejoining the rhythm and generating that blues sound that uh, ripples with such intricate uh, velocity. Extraordinary mastery of rhythm and lead pieces woven together like a painting's masterpiece. No overindulgence, just constantly moving around the fretboard. Uh, is next. It starts up with such versatility. The soul is ferocious, and the masterful, almost recycling of the rhythm. Uh, a highlight. Great drumming as well from Miles. Uh, the wah wah is absolutely extraordinary here, and the feedback at the outro, of course. Uh, only he could have carried that out and got away with it. And then the passing uh, sing-along, the party piece. we got to live together. A jam, a blues jam. It's so funky, it's straight out of the meters. Uh, the New Orleans band, I felt, early on. But before uh, Jimmy takes over uh, and he explodes with a Miles roar uh, that's followed by uh, that solo that blisteringly... Uh, fast uh, and the finale is at a ferocious pace with Hendrix and Miles off the charts in start terms of speed and dexterity and a big thank you to Billy Cox for his bass work okay this is still remarkable this 1970 live take uh, uh, Hendrix referring to the soldiers fight, fighting in Vietnam uh, it really moved me tremendously and it's one of the greatest live albums I've ever heard. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't heard this, uh, please spend a minute, get on YouTube and listen to it, particularly Side One. On this classic episode three, uh, 1970s, is another live album. Get Your Yaya's Out by the Rolling Stones. Uh, the title is taken from a blind boy fuller song, Get Your Yaya's Out. I didn't know that. But I've added it in. The lyric in Fuller's song was, Now you've got to leave my house this morning. Don't I'll throw you your yayas out of the door. Okay, in the context of Fuller's original song and its use in other blues music, yayas appears as a folky euphemism for ass. Some of the performances, <laughs> as well as one of the two photography sessions for the album cover featuring uh, Charlie Watts and a donkey, are depicted in the documentary film Gimme Shelter, a movie that I have seen uh, and I'm probably going to watch it again. Uh, and uh, it shows how Watson Jagger uh, on a section of the M6 motorway adjacent to uh, a rail depot near Birmingham uh, put this cover together, uh, uh, posing with a donkey. Uh, it's adjacent to an RAC building and these are a sort of uh, rescue service of cars in need. 
and the cover photo was taken in early February 1970 in London and it does originate from uh, the 1969 session. The photo by David Bailey featuring Watts with guitars and bass drums hanging from the neck of a donkey was inspired by a line in Dylan's song Visions of jo Johanna. Uh, jewels and binoculars also hang from the head of the mule. Uh, and uh, well, <laughs> it's quite remarkable that cover and certainly uh, easily recognisable. Uh, they, they said of the type, we originally wanted an elephant, but had to settle for a donkey. Uh, and of course, this album was released just before Let It Bleed. And uh, first opener, Jumping Jack Flash, uh, Madison Square Guns uh, in 1969. They were all recorded in 1969. Raucous reception. And it's go, 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 furious Watts, Wyman rhythms. Uh, and, of course, Mick has to uh, point out uh, at the end of this great opener uh, that he busted a bottom on his trousers. Busted a button, not a bottom. Uh, and uh, that leads us into Carol, uh, a Chuck Berry song. It's very Richard's uh, red, uh, red, Richard's driven weaves his magic with Taylor, of course, who was virtually making his debut live uh, uh, for the Stones after the demise of uh, Brian Jones. Uh, the tight-ass rhythm is strikingly hot, and there's some neat piano from uh, a Stewart uh, that hits a high point. Uh, track three, we've got Stray Clap Blues. I love this song from uh, uh, the uh, Beggar's Banquet uh, sessions. Uh, it's got a, it's a lovely slow blues uh, with Jagger, very sleazy. And then another one that I love, Love in Vain, uh, the Robert Johnson classic, uh, with Jagger, awesome, telling the tale, one of the saddest songs of all time, and the slide guitar bleeds on this. Great work by Taylor, it has to be said. Uh, and then the closer on the opening side, is the Midnight Rambler. Uh, this is a nine minute monster really with inspired harmonica by, uh, by Mick. And it's a real in your face rocker that uh, grinds to a halt uh, midway uh, before re-exploding through the twin guitar work as it gets back into gear. And uh, resurfaces as nasty as ever. It epitomized why they were the greatest rock and roll band in the world. So it starts off with Sympathy for the Devil, uh, much slower version of the album, and it's more sort of stripped back, none of the sort of shenanigans really, but Taylor once again showed us his lead touches on it. It lacks the flamboyance of the album, but, you know, Charlie Watts' is drumming, drummer, drumming, sorry, is really solid and really powerful. Live With Me comes up next. Uh, it's from Let It Bleed, of course. Pretty steady rock. Uh, Little Queenie, another Chuck Berry track thrown in next. And it's a reminder very much of those early Stones records back in the early to mid-60s. And I love it. Uh, then we get the other big hit, uh, Honky Tonk Woman. Uh, blues rendition of this hit. It's much slower, much more smoochy, 
and a real bash with some nice piano from Stuart. And then we uh, finish off with Street, Fight, Street Fighting Man. Uh, it's a blast. Taylor, again, uh, really uh, influential. Uh, he excels and uh, rounds it off very nicely indeed. This is a strong live album. Uh, and for its time, it was uh, a bit of a blast, really. Uh, I don't think it's quite up to the Hendrix one that I've reviewed earlier, but it's still extremely strong. No surprises from the uh, greatest rock and roll band in the land, but it's in your face, and the band are all at the top of their game. So there we are. There'll be slides, of course, for uh, the songs, the personnel of these three albums, uh, no lyric sheets this time out. Uh, uh, it's all pretty familiar. Uh, but that's it for uh, episode three, Classic Rock. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>